Students, welcome to another week, another episode, a Monday episode of Answers to Gospel Questions. I'm Brother Lawson. I'm here with my good friend, Brother Eric Wing. How you doing, Brother Wing? Very well. Happy to be here. Excellent. You're you're always you're just a happy guy all around. This hap hap happy guy. Um, this week, kids. speaking of happiness, this week we're going to talk a little bit about mortality and how it's not always happiness and how to uh, how to approach situations how to approach mortality when things don't appear to be getting any happier sometimes sometimes bad things just happen and it's and and i mean being uh, upset and being discouraged that's just part of the deal right but sometimes we can't shake those feelings sometimes those feelings stick around for a while. And so this week we're going to explore questions revolving around uh, mental health, anxiety, stress, depression, and uh, what we learn from the gospel of Jesus Christ um, relative to those subjects. So um, I thought, Brother Wayne, what we could do today is start off uh, a little bit talking about in scriptures, what the scriptures seem to say about anxiety and stress and depression. I was thinking about like, who do we, like, is anybody in the scriptures, has there ever been a time in the history of the scriptures that anybody was depressed or sad or felt anxious about things? And, um, and as I thought and thought and thought, I thought of quite a few. And I wanted to explore just, just one with everybody uh, right now. One is, one is Nephi. Um, Second Nephi chapter four, sometimes this, uh, this, uh, chapter in the Book of Mormon is called the Psalm of Nephi. Right, this is a pretty rough time in in Nephi's life. His dad Lehi, who's just been uh, a hero to Nephi, someone that Nephi's always looked to and respected and thought thought of as a great dad and a great prophet. Lehi dies, and um, they have the funeral for him. They bury him, and and right after he's buried. Nephi indicates that uh, Laman and Lemuel and the sons of Ishmael get really mad at, at Nephi for, for kind of carrying the torch that his dad carried and, and admonishing them, as scripture says, uh, kind of helping them see what, um, what the Lord would want him, what, what the Lord wants him, what the Lord wants these guys to know. So Nephi is now kind of like the mouthpiece for the family for, from the Lord. So, Brother Wayne, what do you think? Like, I think that's that seems like a recipe for for discouragement for me. You, you got a loved one die, and then you got your family members that are just barreling down on you. Yeah, you know, I'm no psychologist, but um, it does seem that you know there's there's chemicals, there's you know all these things that we're facing. There's also traumatic events, you know, and it seems like at least in my personal experience, it's almost like with when one thing happens, I'm okay. I, it's tough, but I can get through it. But when there's a combination of things that seems to kind of trigger stuff. And I, I see Nephi's example here in the scriptures of what you just described, you know, he's got multiple difficult things uh, hitting him at the same time. And that can, that can kind of bring him to his knees. Yeah, you know, and the honoriness of his brothers and the sons of Ishmael, that's not a that's not like a new thing, but in his life, I mean that that seems like they've always been been that way. But when you compound it with a pretty stressful event like 
um, like a, a, a loved one passing away, it seems like those, those difficult parts of mortality get magnified <laughs> even more. I mean, he, he's probably pretty used to his brothers being that way, but when this adds, it's like, you hear the phrase, you know, you're on, my mom used to say, you're on my last nerve, or, you know, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. It's the, it's the final thing. Um, it's interesting how Nephi describes. Now, Nephi, we know he's as righteous as can be, and I think this is a great lesson for us, is that stress stress and depression and anxiety, it doesn't have to do deal with your righteousness level or your wickedness level necessarily, right? Because Nephi's a righteous guy, but listen to what how he um, describes. Just think of about, just kind of ponder what he's uh, dealing with mentally here. If you look at 2 Nephi 4, verse 17, he says, Nevertheless, notwithstanding the great goodness of the Lord in showing me his great marvelous works, my heart exclaimeth, O wretched man that I am. Yea, my heart sorroweth because of my flesh. My soul grieveth because of mine iniquities. This is, this is sounding pretty rough. He goes on and say he's encompassed about because of temptations and the sins which do easily beset him. Think about Nephi's position. He's in charge of, of exhorting people to live righteous ways, but he himself recognizes that he sins. And, and I imagine that, that that thought comes through his mind, like, how can I tell these people uh, what they should be doing and, and, and the importance of repenting if I myself am sinning. And so um, he talks about his heart groaning within him. One of the things that Nephi does uh, or attempts to do is he, he tries to pull himself out of it. We don't really, uh, Nephi did pull out of it. Um, I'm not sure how long it took him though. The rest of that chapter is really interesting Brother Wing, because what he says is he starts remembering all of these great things um, about his relationship with Heavenly Father, about the plan of salvation, about the he's remembering all the things that he knows. And he's it's almost like he's he is doing a, a little mental exercise with himself to try to pull out of, of this depression. And so um, I, I just I respect Nephi for that. And like I said, um, I don't, it doesn't indicate in the chapter whether or not he was like instantly happy again as soon as he remembered all this stuff. But this was, it, it took work for him to uh, get mentally in the place that he wanted to be. Yeah, I, I love the, I love that thought that there's something that he can do. If there's hope, you know, there's something that he can do to kind of receive light, receive strength. Obviously, he, he, we want to focus on the Lord no matter what's going on in our life. We need to maintain that focus on the Lord and always remember him. I do. This might seem kind of silly, but in verse 19 of 2 Nephi 4, where he's talking about all these hard things, but it shifts with one word and the word is nevertheless. Mm -hmm. And this might seem kind of silly, but what's the opposite of nevertheless? You know, always the more. <laughs> Right. I think I'm I've making, I'll make up that word right there. Always the more I know in whom I have trusted. Like, and so like, we're not going, uh, I mean, it's the, uh, we, we focus on the Lord, like, and we see where there's, there's hope here and I'm not going to stay down here in, you know, dwelling on these thoughts or this aspect of my life. There's something more and I can do it and it's going to come through the Lord. And that's where as he remembers all of what he's done. He knows in whom he's trusted. He's not going to trust in himself. That's getting him in trouble. 
but he puts his trust in the Lord and that gets him out of it. Yeah. It's when those thoughts become pretty circular and self-centered, um, that's when it can, that's when, uh, that depression and anxiety can really grip us. Um, and I think Nephi recognized that, that he was, he was just kind of dwelling and circling the drain, so to speak, um, with those, those negative thoughts. And so he started to replace those with positive thoughts and he did it for quite a bit. Uh, he went on for quite a while, uh, talking more about the positive things that had happened in his life uh, previously than the negative things that were happening currently in his life. And so he took kind of a, an eternal perspective, eternal, not necessarily uh, only looking forward, but also eternally looking backwards and seeing some of the, the great moments that he's had in his life. Um, there's, there's other people that in the scriptures, namely Joseph Smith, who have struggled with anxiety, and maybe we could even say depression. One of the things, uh, Joseph Smith, similar to Nephi, he kind of, you know, he talked about how he had a cheery temperament. Right? He was he, he was jovial. He liked to uh, hang out and with with his friends. And and he said sometimes he says don't don't think that I was guilty of anything any grievous sin. But sometimes I don't think I acted the way that someone who had had a vision like I had had, um, I don't think I acted appropriately. So he had this premise in his mind of, okay, if I've seen God in Jesus Christ, I probably should act this certain way. And when he didn't meet that expectation or that premise that he had made in his mind, then he started to feel some anxiety uh, and some worry. In fact, he went in, uh, he knelt down and he prayed uh, to get relief from that anxiety to, to kind of talk with Heavenly Father and, and repent of, of whatever it was that uh, he had done wrong or had been doing wrong. And that's when the angel Moroni appeared to him and told him about the, the great work that he had for him. So it's interesting how hard Joseph Smith was on himself thinking, oh, I've, you know, I'm, I'm just really messing this whole thing up. But yet, at this, but the Lord trust him enough to, Hey, I need to send you an angel and it's time for you to get to work on some stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm so impressed with his effort and ability to uh, seek the Lord as well. Kind of like Nephi and it, you know, like we were saying how Nephi focused more on the Lord than his own power. It's also shifting his attention to uh, uh, the, the solution over the problem. Like rather than dealing, you know, like just sit there and feel hopeless and focus on the effects and the sorrow and the pain. Instead, the attention goes to more on the solution. And I think, I think that's another help for us when we're facing these difficult situations. Excellent. What other doctrines uh, or, or principles could we find in the scriptures that might be able to give us some perspective and, and help us as we're dealing with, um, anxiety, depression, all types of mental illness. Yeah. Here's a fast list that I was, I was thinking of that apply that, you know, when we're, there's so many confusing things and especially when we're facing depression, anxiety, even just like heavy amounts of stress, like it's, it can get really overwhelming and confusing. And we're like, what is even going on here? Like, I barely know who I am, you know? And so I think, that, I think if, as far as like scripturally, what we can do um, here is like, let's, let's get the plan of salvation and some doctrines in place. And then we can know where to work with this and how we can find help through 
through uh, therapy or counseling or medications, or if we need that, um, or if there's other things. But anyway, here's a here's a quick list to kind of help us as we try to make decisions on what's gonna what's gonna serve us and be best for us. So one is we have to recognize that we live in an and that we've inherited a fallen world and we're subject to temporal infirmities. It's just the reality of our world. And, you know, Moses chapter six, verse 48, is a great verse there. I'll let you look that up, but it's a, that's a good one to kind of, and there's lots of others, of course, um, to verify that. Um, a second doctrine to remember is that God has provided a savior. So even though we live in a fallen world, uh, especially because of that, we have a savior and his grace and wisdom can strengthen, teach, and heal us. And there's multiple references in the scriptures to talk about that, that, that we have hope because of him. We always have hope, and it's because of him that we have it. Um, a third thing is that God's love is perfect. It's whole. It's complete. And uh, Romans chapter 8, the end of that chapter is wonderful to kind of review, uh, to remind us of God's perfect love. Um, a fourth doctrine to remember is that we are children of God uh, and Genesis 1, 26 and 27, perfect reference there, uh, but we are, we are children of God. Uh, the fifth, there is a resurrection. And so there might be some aspects of our life that are difficult, but they're temporary. Um, and uh, we will have a body again and not be subject to the, some of the things that we're subject to now. Seems like everything comes to pass. Nothing comes to stay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, a sixth thing is that we do, and this is kind of goes back to what you're talking about, Joseph Smith. You know, we can learn from, serve others because of, and even value the trials of life. Um, Elder Holland once said they that first they're bearable, then they can become understandable, and then they can even become redemptive almost to the point that we can look back on them. And if we could go back, we wouldn't change them. I'm not saying that's with everything. There's certainly some traumatic, awful things that can take place, but there are trials of life that we can learn from and serve others because of, and even, even value to a certain degree. Um, uh, a seventh. That's an interesting thought. Are you saying so that sometimes we might be, we might struggle with, uh, anxiety and depression, things like that, so that we can actually help others who are going to face that, uh, that situation as well. Yeah, it could be that, um, you know, that we have some sympathy or some ability mm -hmm. to help somebody who's facing the same thing later. And then we kind of have some gratitude. I'm, I'm glad I went through that because I can help this other person who I really care about, or we just, Hey, I've got my thing with anxiety, but you've got your thing with this. And, and I know that, you know, it's just, it's humbled me and, and I'm more able to be willing to help you. Cause I kind of know what having troubles are like, you know, and, yeah. and, um, it can help us that way or just, or, you know, like, like everything pushes to the Lord and help us to call upon him. And, and when we make a connection with God because of a problem, we kind of start to become grateful for the problem, right? <laughs> it, it blessed our lives and, and God is everything. Right. Excellent. A seventh one is that we're agents to act and not be acted upon. I think we always need to recognize that. And I, I think that's what we were kind of make the points we were making there with um, 
Nephi and Joseph Smith that they're what they're, you know, they don't have all power. Uh, and there were some terrible situations that they were in, but there's always something that we can do. And God still, God hasn't left us powerless. Um, he still has given us some strength, some time, some energy, some decision that we can make uh, to seek his help and improve our situation. We are agents to act and not be acted upon. Second Nephi 2, awesome chapter to study on that one. And along, and also with Second Nephi 2, and I don't want to end with this. I, I, I got one more after this, but as far as an eighth doctrine is Satan is real and he seeks our mis misery. And so I think we should just be aware of that as well. He might try to play upon the infirmities that we face yeah. to his advantage. And we just need to be aware of that and careful and, and, uh, and choose obedience to protect ourselves. Um, if I could add one more to this, I just oh, want to share my favorite scripture. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, actually, I don't know if this is my favorite because got <laughs> like a thousand. You didn't want to commit. You didn't want to. Yeah, I don't want to commit to this. <laughs> <laughs> But um, Isaiah 55, uh, you know, eight and nine are kind of famous verses in Isaiah 55 about that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And that's good. But the following verses are the ones that I want to I want to focus on. Verse 10, you know, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth the bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of, the, out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And, you know, one, one principle here is that God's word, God is faithful you know, he, he's always going to keep his word. And that's one point that's being made here. But what does his word do? That's the thing that I want to focus on here. And so sometimes when we're just in a terrible situation, we're, we're lonely, sad, totally depressed, or overwhelmed with the blaring, obnoxious noise of anxiety, whatever it is that we're facing, we just almost feel paralyzed by the, the, the depression or anxiety or whatever it is that we're facing. Um, one thing that we can do is just let the word word rain upon us, <laughs> you know, and if, if we can do nothing else, just, uh, listen to a chapter of scripture and, and just let it do its work. Um, I just have that witness and testimony that the word of God has power. We may not always feel it. I'm not saying that, you know, you just read your scriptures and all your problems are going to go away. Uh, but we can get miraculous help. Uh, through his word. And, you know, maybe especially when we're especially sad or uh, afflicted, we might be especially open at that point to the power of his word to let it speak to our soul and rain upon us and bless us that way. I know that the word has really comforting, healing power to bless the afflicted soul. It's an awesome testimony, Brother Wing. We'll end it there, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Uh, we'll continue this, uh, this topic. And we love your guts, everybody. Stay righteous. Mm -hmm.